you're listening to The Husk, a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communication. I'm your host, Rebel Saklocha. In today's society, agriculture and the beef industry have caught their fair share of negative attention as of late because of efforts from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a representative from New York who introduced a Green New Deal that proposed getting rid of all cows. In today's episode of The Husk, we will delve into the complexity of agricultural marketing while highlighting issues in the beef industry. We will delve into consumer preferences, marketing trends, lab-grown meat, and what farmers and ranchers can do to be proactive when issues arise so they can continue to produce safe, sustainable food for a growing population. But before we can truly understand these complex issues and the drivers behind them, we must first understand how agricultural marketing differs from conventional marketing. To tell us more is Dr. Kate Brooks, Assistant Professor at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and the Agricultural Economics Department. Agriculture in and of itself is a product we have to have. We all have to eat. We don't all necessarily have to have our iPhones um, and our tablets, those things. And so, you know, marketing really from one aspect is just trying to convince consumers to buy a product, um, but really understanding where those products come from and the, how that whole system works together from the farmer all the way to the consumer um, is pretty interesting. And, and that's really how we diverge a little bit just from that marketing standpoint. The food is perishable. Consumer preferences are always changing. With the United States having the highest net financial wealth in the world, it's no longer about simply buying food. It's about having the choice to buy and consume food that is up to the consumer standards and preferences. While food insecurity affects roughly 11% of the American population, most households have the financial stability to be pickier when it comes to their food. Food products is continually changing. You know, if we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you remember back to that, right, we all have those basic needs that we have to have. You know, as we relate that to food, as we get more income, we move away from this idea of, well, what am I going to eat? I have to have food to, you know, being interested in our food, where our food comes from, what's in our food. And so, you know, just understanding that change as our income levels in the United States and around the globe have increased, that we're away from this idea of just eating food to really understanding where that food comes from, what's in it. And on top of that, we have this realm of the social media playing into it. And, and so now you have different people influencing your decision to buy food and what you're buying. And so all of those play into that food marketing role. With ever-changing trends and fads in food products marketing, farmers and ranchers are becoming more honed in on consumer preferences. Consumers are seeking simplicity when it comes to food ingredients and overall increased transparency. Clean labels and high ethical values are becoming more and more important as consumers peruse to their local grocery stores. Dr. Steve Jones of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Animal Science Department weighs in. What we're seeing is the producers beginning to understand that uh, the consumer is the one that uh, really kind of drives the market and what they want. Um, and so the producers are in the situation now that they, they have to produce what the consumers want. And, um, and so they're a little more finely tuned with what the consumers' uh, trends are, what the consumer trends are, and so they uh, try to make sure that they produce products that uh, they will enjoy. With consumers becoming more mindful of what they put into their own bodies and what they are feeding their families, 
food products labeling has increased in importance. More people are reading nutrition labels than ever and paying attention to eye-catching labels that ignite a sense of trust. Food product labeling, um, some labeling is mandatory, some is voluntary, right? Usually a lot of our mandatory food labels come around when, you know, something in the industry we're trying to protect our consumer. When, when we're talking about food, everybody has to eat food and we need safe food. So, you know, the government stepping in is putting on labels typically to help, you know, with that food safety issue. The relationship between food products labeling and food safety is certainly a strong one. Food product labeling has changed and evolved to be more accommodating for consumers over the years, particularly those with food allergies. As you look at the history of the labeling, uh, we've added uh, quite a bit of things, at least during my career. Uh, early on, they did not have nutritional labeling. Uh, that is included, and I think there are consumers that read that nutritional labeling to identify uh, what they're getting. As I mentioned, uh, the ingredients list is uh, being simplified. There's fewer uh, chemicals or f fewer ingredients added to the, um, to the, the product. Uh, one of the real major concerns are, and uh, it's regulated very tightly, is the amount of, uh, or the allergens that may be present in the product. We have a lot of people in the population that have food allergies that can be life-threatening. And so uh, those uh, things on the label are becoming very important, uh, really for health concern. 32 million Americans have food allergies of some sort. While food labels are certainly important in regard to food allergies and food safety, some labels might be deceiving or confusing to consumers. One good uh, example is the idea of natural, right? We started to see more and more natural labels on things. There's no definition of what natural means. Local is another one. You know, we all have a different idea as to what local means. And so all of those can, you know, start to influence consumers and it may not be influencing every consumer in the same way because we don't have a definition of what those mean. Country of origin labeling laws and regulations require retailers to notify their customers of the country of origin of covered commodities, including beef and other perishable agricultural commodities. The beef industry, in particular, has faced challenges in regard to country of origin labeling. Food product labeling can have profound effects on global food trade. One might think that this is a simple matter, but as with most regulatory requirements, things can get complicated quickly. And the labeling requirements for country of origin are no exception. You know, as we look at labels, not long ago we started having more labels on meat products as far as where it was made, where it was produced, where it was raised, right? We've had a lot of controversy on that, and so that can impact trade coming into the United States. But we could also impact trade going out if we're not labeling as what other countries are wanting us to label products as. For many beef producers, product labeling and marketing can seem confusing and overwhelming. With alternative protein options such as lab-grown meat and plant-based protein, advocacy and self-promotion is more important than ever. Even large fast food chains like Burger King are offering alternative protein options in the form of veggie burgers. However, it is still unclear just how much of the market these options will claim, and the issue of lab-grown meat remains unresolved in the minds of many cattle producers. Ultimately, it will come down to the consumer. Is the consumer willing to purchase that product and at the right prices, right? Is it, you know, the cost efficiency there? The one thing to think about is we look at lab-grown meat, you know, some of the largest meat processors are 
actually investing in these lab-grown meat companies. So you know there's some interest in it. You know there's thoughts of, you know, maybe we are headed down this way. We know that it will impact, you know, if it does take off the beef industry and the meat, pork, chicken industries as well. The question is how big? We won't know until we really figure out whether how consumers are going to accept it and whether we can produce it at a cost-efficient Others are not as concerned about the threat of lab-grown meat on the beef industry. With the first lab-grown burger costing a whopping $325,000 in 2013, it is argued that lab-grown meat is too expensive of an endeavor to truly take off and that it will not adversely affect beef producers on a large scale. Daniel Nelson of GeneticLiteracyProject.org claims that $5 lab-grown burgers could be available to consumers as early as 2021. Right now, I, I see a very limited impact. Uh, the cost of production is uh, extremely high. Uh, one of the things I look at when we start looking at lab-grown meat is that essentially we have to replace all the systems that uh, the animal itself has. We have to replace uh, the ability to get nutrients to cells. We have to also replace the ability to remove waste products. We have to maintain pH and a whole host of things. And so now we're seeing that we can make meatballs at $1,000 a pound. Uh, and uh, frankly, uh, the taste of those are probably uh, somewhat <clears throat> limited as far as quality is concerned. Many in opposition of lab-grown meat argue that it should not be able to be marketed as meat since it did not come from a live animal and rather it was developed from a culture in a lab. This argument stems back to food product marketing and the clearance that people and firms have when marketing products. Similarly, many in the dairy industry struggle with the idea of almond milk being called milk since it did not come from a live animal. The United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that calling almond milk milk is not deceptive, upholding the dismissal of a lawsuit called Painter v. Blue Diamond Growers. With almond milk staking claim on the market and taking considerable amounts of money away from dairy producers, many beef producers fear that they will have the same fate if lab-grown meat takes off. Well, it all depends on what your definition of meat is. If meat is animal tissues from a uh, an animal, uh, you know, it's it's difficult because uh, lab-grown meat really only is probably one one animal one tissue, and that's muscle tissue. It doesn't include fat and some of the other tissues that are associated. So, uh, I think I struggle a little bit with uh, calling it. Uh, meat itself and uh, having it can be compared to what we may get from uh, a living animal. Ultimately, whether or not lab-grown meat and plant-based protein take off and gain consumer approval, it's important for farmers and ranchers to be proactive rather than reactive in these types of situations. With consumers desiring greater transparency and agriculture being under constant scrutiny, it is no longer an option to take a back seat on these types of issues. Situations like these present opportunities to educate the public about the nutritional benefits of traditional meat options. I think if we look at the, the differences, uh, I think, uh, as I mentioned, uh, generally uh, lab-grown meat doesn't have uh, 
fat tissues associated with that, which could be some of the fat-soluble vitamins um, and uh, other things like that. Uh, other, on the other side is, uh, you know, the protein source of uh, lab-grown meat is very similar to what you would probably find in a, a uh, hamburger produced by a, uh, an animal. Having a good understanding of food products marketing and the intricacies of consumer preference can equip farmers and ranchers to handle any issues that may arise. Consumer preferences and demands are continually changing, and it is important for producers to develop a growth mindset while producing safe, quality food products to sustain the world population. I think they just need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, obviously, there are several organizations that are doing uh, essentially consumer surveys to see what they need and uh, I think it'd be wise for producers to uh, take a very close look at these surveys and and be able to produce the products that uh, consumers want again as I mentioned consumers really drive the the industry and their demand for the product uh, if there's no demand uh, there's no need for the product Alternative proteins and food products labeling have each stirred up their fair share of controversy. For those in agriculture, they are important things to stay up to date with and will likely be relevant issues for years to come. Day in and day out, those in agriculture will work to bridge the gap between producers and consumers to help them understand where their food comes from and how it is produced. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of The Husk, where we dove into hot-button issues in agriculture, like alternative proteins and food products marketing and labeling, with Dr. Kathleen Brooks from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Economics and Dr. Steve Jones from the Animal Science Department. Reporting for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communication, I'm Rebel Seclocha.